Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined as always by Barry Trammell here to recap the Thunder's 110 to 104 loss to the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night at Paycom Center. A very fun basketball game, tons of lead changes, tons of ties, the Thunder playing without Shea Gilgis Alexander, the Jazz basically playing at full strength. And the, the Thunder really gave the Jazz a run in this one. Barry, we got to start with Josh Giddy. I know Lou Dort was the, was the leading scorer and did lots of good things, but I thought Giddy was spectacular, especially down the stretch. He had eight of his 19 points in the fourth quarter. Um, he's, he, he's, he's around triple-double territory almost on a nightly basis now. He had 19 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, hit a couple of clutch threes. I'm just... I don't know. I don't know what else to say about him, but I'm continually impressed. I thought he was great. Now, he had some careless turnovers. By careless, I mean ill-advised passes is what he's got. But his even those turnovers are turnovers of aggression, not sloppiness necessarily. Um, he'll learn on those. So, um, you know, once, it, once he's surrounded by – more guys that can shoot, he's going to have double-digit assists on a regular basis. It looks like to me. So, um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was excellent. Um, showed a nifty, a nifty mark from the three-point line, three of four. So, you know, that's that a good buzzer. One. That buzzer beater uh, before halftime was weird. It was a uh, one-handed. It looked like a floater, but I, yeah, he, he was just trying to get it off. But he's got an interesting form sometimes. Yeah, and here's the deal: if if he can learn to shoot, if he can be a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter, I think it got a star on their hands. Um, because everything he does in terms of passing and rebounding and just court awareness, if you if you had a good shot to that, which I don't have any idea if he'll develop a good shot. He's pretty rough right now, but he's also 19 years old. So I think it's just fabulously encouraging for the Thunder to have a, a rookie playing like that. And um, and like I said, it's not like he's he's out there playing with a bunch of, of veterans and stars and he doesn't really have to do stuff. He has to do a lot of stuff. The, the Thunder started three rookies tonight, for crying out loud. So, um, yeah. He, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it's the best game of the season in terms of just people playing well, and you're down SGA, and you're playing a great team, and you sit there and hang in the whole game. So I thought it. I thought it was an outstanding game from an Oklahoma City standpoint. Yeah, Mark Degnault said he reminded the team of that night in in Houston, the day after the season opener, they were watching film of that jazz game. They lost 107 to 86 and basically saying, Hey guys, look how much progress we've made since then. And that's even without SGA on the floor tonight with with Giddy and his three point shot. I'm I'm not saying he's ever going to become this or even close to it necessarily. But when I talked to his former coaches and, and some people who knew him in Australia, they point out that, um, Joe Ingles and Patty Mills weren't the best three-point shooters um, when they were young and they really developed. And Ingles is another guy that's kind of got a funky shot. Um, but, you know, I, I I don't know if that means anything or I'm just saying that because they're they're Australians. That's why I'm saying it. But just an example that what he, what he is now as a three-point shooter doesn't mean that um, he can't 
develop more. He's he's 19 years old, so I think it's nothing but positives for him. And he's already one of the best passers in the NBA. I, I don't even think it's hyperbole to say that. He's a 6'8 point guard who, you know, the Thunder is obviously better with Shea on the floor. But Giddy is able to shine more without Shea because he's back to his normal position. And I think that's, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast, but that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out. Um, Barry, I'm not sure if you listened to this uh, portion of the post game, but I thought what Josh Giddy said was, was interesting. He said, obviously Shea's only going to be out for a small period of time, so I'm going to have to keep learning how to play off the ball more. Hopefully me and Shea play together for a long, long time. It's something we're both going to have to work together with, handling the ball and playing off it as well. It's obviously fun to have the ball late in games and making plays, but also realizing when you're playing alongside a superstar like that, you're going to have to be ready to make catch-and-shoot shots and split space the floor and let him do his thing. A couple parts about that, he recognizes that Shea is clearly the team's best player. You've got to find out how to play off that, but also acknowledging that his comfort level is having the ball and, and loving that role. Well, what we just saw is a bunch of, an incredible bunch of self-awareness um, that frankly we're not always accustomed to when we're talking about, when we're talking about uh, Thunder basketball over the years. And, um, you know, that could have been, that could have been Mark Dagnalt, um or Sam Presti or, or somebody talking about, the future of the Thunder and, and what they w- ideally want to see out of a, a pairing of of uh, Josh Giddy and and Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and the way they do need to work together and you know the Thunder sort of foresaw this. I mean they're the ones that drafted Giddy after SGA's development yeah. into a into a primary uh, high caliber Mark, point Mark, guard. Mark Dagnalt said that. Uh, clearly tonight. He said, we drafted Josh Giddy knowing that we had that position filled. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. So um, that shows you how high they were on him. So, um, you know, everybody came away from the lottery very disappointed. Seemed like a lot of idea that it was a five-player draft and the Thunder landed sixth. Then it became, you know, a five-player draft, just a different five players. Kaminga goes out, Scotty Barnes comes in, and still the Thunder ends up in pretty good shape and you know, might 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 trade Josh Giddy for some of those people in the top five, but might not also. So um so in retrospect, the twenty twenty one draft turned out pretty good. At this point, it looks it yeah. looks really good for the Thunder. Yeah, ESPN did a uh, just ranking the rookies and the athletic had one as well. And I think Giddy finished five and one and sixth in the other. So, you know, right around where he's taken. I mean, some of those guys who were drafted ahead of him are still ahead of him on that ranking. And then, you know, a guy drafted behind like Franz Wagner is the one who's sort of shot up past where um, people thought he would be at this point. Um, but then you look at some of those guys ahead of him. Mobley has been a star. Kate Cunningham, after a slow start, has been really, really good. Um, you, you know, a, a lot. Scotty Barnes has been really good. So yeah, the the rookies have been fun. Um, Barry, let's get to Dort. S- sort of a, a ho hum game. Twenty seven points, and you li- limit Donovan Mitchell to to thirteen points. He's just he's a ball player. 
most impressive thing in the entire Thunder Jazz box score? Would you like to take a guess on what it is? Um, Just one one solitary stat on, from an individual. Point shooting? Donovan Mitchell's free throws tonight. He didn't take any. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell did not go to the line tonight. Uh, yeah. 16 shots, and so he's getting hounded by Dort and still didn't, didn't even get fouled or didn't, didn't get uh, a foul shot. So that's incredibly impressive. Everything you said is right, too. I mean, Dort, 5 of 12 from three-point range. I mean, um, I thought um, it was a spectacular game by Dort. Um, yes, he had three assists also and three rebounds, but – He's just he's just coming along, and that that. By, that by the way, his historically he just gives. I mean, Donovan Mitchell like he just does not play well against Dort. Dort, no. Dort sort of has his number. Yeah, that's true. Um, the Jazz might be a good potential playoff opponent for the Thunder down the road sometime, <laughs> just for that reason. Um, yeah. But um, but no, just a wonderful game by Dort and. He's another one. Dort's Dort is a ball player, and uh, the you know the the thing that you worry about is his his three point shooting. While much better, is still not all that good. I think it's thirty one percent this season. I think it is. You know that needs to get up north of thirty five for as much as he shoot because he's not afraid to shoot them. But man, just a wonderful, wonderful player, and for the Thunder to have a defensive stopper like this. Who is capable of breakout games, and you know, we're, we're now let's see, we're at the end of November, so we're 15 months from sort of the the seminal moment of his career, even to this day, which is that Game Seven of the Rocket series. But he's he's just a he's just a pup, Lou Dort, and he's already been the very best player in a Game Seven. Yeah, when when people like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, SGA, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, uh, whoever was on that Rocket team, they've torn it up so much I can't even remember. But Eric Gordon, lots of players, lots of big time players in a game seven, and oh yeah, Lugans Dort was the best player that night in that game seven. So. What we're seeing is that wasn't a fluke. That's that was his. That was sort of his announcement to the world: "Hey, I'm an NBA player, and I'm going to do all kinds of things." And we're seeing yeah. it. Tonight was another one of those games. His offensive evolution is just drastic. I mean, I you could have never predicted that game seven. You could have never predicted he he would score 42 points against these the same Jazz team um, seven months ago. And it would have been hard to predict him ever attempting 12 three-pointers in a game and, and making five of them. It's just all crazy. Um, and, yeah, the, the three-point shot is, is still wildly inconsistent. When he's off, he's, he's very off. When he's on, he's on. Um, but the way he's driving to the rim now, he had a really tough finish against Rudy Gobert today um, and flexed in front of Gobert's face, just sort of a motion that we wouldn't have seen from Dort in the past. He, he's just become a, a really all-around player. I, I, I wrote today that he's gone from a two-way player to a two, two-way player, basically. I know you hate that we 
use that term in two different senses, but he's been both of them at this point. It is, it is crazy. It is nuts. But that's what you're right. He's become an an a, a defensive you know star. I don't we don't really call people that, but a defensive stopper, whatever you want to call him. And oh yeah, he's also a plus offensively. You know, when when a guy gets that, you know, that's that's a pretty high level. There's not a there's not a ton of NBA players that are that. So, um, you know, the Thunder has a keeper in Dort. There's not any question about him. Not, you know, now they're I think they're going to have to pay him if they want to keep him because, you know, a guy a guy gets accelerated. His contract is up in the summer of twenty three. Um, this COVID has condensed things, and it makes it makes uh, oh the future go by really fast. And so he had a four year contract, but he signed it at the end of the first year. And now this is year three, so it it, it all goes fast. Thunder's going to have to yeah. pony up for Lou Dort, but I think uh, hopefully the, they'll do just that. Also, Dort just cracks me up, like. Post game press conference. It's like basically the question is some form of how do you do it, Lou? Like being this good offensively and defensively, and he's like, I get tired, but I just push through. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> if only, if only it was that easy, you know. Just you might get tired, but you just got to push through. Um, Barry, you mentioned they started three rookies tonight. They started three rookies, and two of them happened to be second rounders. And Aaron Wiggins didn't play especially well um, um, offensively, um, he, he guarded – he had a tough defensive assignment guarding uh, Jordan Clarkson and, and Mike Conley. Clarkson is just such a good scorer off the bench. Conley did nice things tonight. But it was, you know, an unexpected move nonetheless that Wiggins was in the starting lineup. Um, the Thunder started those two centers in the last game without SGA – they start Jeremiah Robinson Earl tonight at center with no Derek Favors in the starting lineup and instead start Wiggins. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's still very, very early, but the Thunder has to feel pretty good about the two guys they drafted in the second round. Well, yeah, and got to feel good about him tonight. You're right. He, I mean, he didn't do anything offensively to speak of. Um, he, missed a, he took one shot and missed yeah. it. And uh, you know Clarkson had a Clarkson and Conley combined to go thirteen of twenty four, seven of seventeen from three point line. So it doesn't look like he did any major uh, defensive stopping. But you go over and look at the plus minus. He had the best on the team. He's plus six tonight. So you know things didn't fall apart when Aaron Wiggins is on the court. So I found that interesting. I. I still don't really know why. I mean, I, I'm off. I'm flying the Aaron Wiggins banner, but strikes me as odd that Trey Mann still isn't playing that much. That's uh, it's a little bit odd to me. Um, but that's nothing against Aaron Wiggins because I think he gets out there and 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 plays uh, on a uh, a fairly credible level for he, for a rookie. A, he's a little Kenrich Williamsy. Yeah, he is. You're right. He is. Um, speaking of Kenrich Williams, of course, he he played 17-25 tonight and didn't miss a shot, scored 12 <laughs> points. 
and uh, got up there and messed with Gobert and everybody else. And he, he's got to find himself on a contender. Like some someone's got to say, "Hey, here's a here's a second round pick. Let's let's get Aaron Wick. Or let's get Kenrich Williams." Wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't like the Los Angeles Lakers? Don't they need a Kenrich Williams on that team? Yeah, or the Nets, or the Nets, or somebody that doesn't know how to build a team other than just grab twenty fourteen All Stars, and <laughs> you know, all of a sudden here's Kenrich Williams bringing his, like, his his lunch pail and his and his mop bucket and saying, "We got work to do, guys. Let's go." So, yeah. you know, I would I would think uh, all kinds of teams would be interested in Kenrich Williams. Yeah, it's not like you have to have. A specific role for him. He can play the two through four, basically yeah, make shots, hustle, yeah. defend. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, he's he's just a he's a good player. Um, you mentioned Man not playing. So Dagnall said before the game that Man wasn't going to be in the rotation, um, partly because of the workload in the G League. He played thirty something minutes the the other night, but he was active for the Thunder. I would expect we're going to get more of Trey Mann here pretty soon, but it's so unpredictable the way they shuffle these guys back and forth from the G League to the NBA. Um, but Mann did not play. Maladone did play. Maladone's also been off in the G League, and he's played pretty well there. I thought he showed some flashes tonight, Barry. Um, he played 13 minutes, you know, six points, two rebounds, had a nice finish against Gobert, his fellow Frenchman. But it seems like Maladone just needed a reset in the G League more than anything. We're good friends. If I make an admission to you, will you not think less of me? <laughs> yes, sir. I forgot Theo Maladone was on the team. <laughs> I literally forgot he was on the roster. I, in fact, I got in the car. I had to go someplace about 6 or 6.30. I can't remember. So I was listening to the Thunder pregame show on the radio. And they mentioned Theo Maladone and that he was probably going to play tonight. And I thought, hey, wait, oh, I forgot about <laughs> the, oh, Theo Maladone's on this team. I forgot all about it. Um, I did not think he looked that good. He still looked a little lost. He looked a step slow. Um, I don't know what's – I mean, you've said it before. This is a guy that led the Thunder in minutes played, total minutes played a year ago. Yeah, that we were both pretty high on at different points. Yes, yes, yes. And he just doesn't look, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, I think of this guy because we've always, I've mentioned him myself and maybe you have too. You know, last year I kept thinking, you know what, he's got a little Eric Maynor in him. In yeah. That, in that. Um, I thought that was a good comp. Yeah, and, and, uh, and not a super athletic guy, not the quickest guy, but just point guard with pretty good skill and could do a lot of things. A, a solid backup point guard yes, that could yes. and, be, uh, and, be an innings eater for you while your starters are off the floor. Twelve years ago, I think it was 09, I think it was October or November of 09 is when the Thunder traded for Eric Maynard. And they played a few games that season, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it was, before the trade with Utah to get Eric Maynard. And uh, uh, our current managing editor, Don McCoy, they traded for they traded for Maynard and they put him in the lineup. And uh, the next day at the office, we had a, I still remember the discussion we had the conversation, and we both agreed. 
Maynard came in and played just solid, and we thought, oh, yeah, well, that's how a backup point guard is supposed to play because the Thunder had been trotting out whoever. I can't remember. might have been Sean Livingston before he was his, – his Before renaissance, the renaissance. Before the yeah. renaissance with the Warriors when he was just sort of dragging his leg behind him and not doing much of anything. <laughs> and 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 I mean seriously, oh. that's what he was doing. And yeah. And then and they played Maynard, and you thought, oh yeah, look, he does some stuff. That's a little bit of what's been going on after the Thunder quit playing Maladon this year. You've been you've seen more uh, Ty Jerome or, or and particularly Josh Giddy as the backup point guard, basically. And you think, oh yeah, he's doing stuff. He's doing stuff that. Maladone wasn't doing. So, you know, last year I compared him to Eric Maynard. This year I guess I'm saying he's the anti-Eric Maynard. He's still so young, there's no reason to give up on him. But I wonder if the Thunder in the back of its mind sort of has in terms of made a decision that he's probably not a long-term solution for much of anything. Um I just don't know. It makes me wonder. I worry about. I worry about a guy that, and I'm not worried about getting sent to the G League. That's probably a good sign for Maladone. But for a guy to just get stuck on the end of the bench and you don't see him for game after game after game, I don't. You know, I just. I just don't know what they think of him anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at these backup guards, and clearly you've got in the starting lineup. Giddy SGA Dort. Then you look at the backups, and I, I sort of lump, you know, Trey Mann, Maladone, and Jerome together. Although they have vastly different skill sets. Like at his best, Maladone is more of the game manager type. Jerome is just a shooter, not super flashy, not a good defender. Mann is just like projects at least as a microwave scorer. We just haven't seen enough of him to really know what he is. But like one of these guys, two of these guys, maybe all three of these guys, like don't have for sure spots um, with the Thunder, you know, two, three, four years down the line. So like, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be Maladone that's going to be the first to go, Jerome. I mean, Jerome's the oldest of that bunch by far, but I don't know. How do you just see those three? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, You know, when, when you said microwave scorer on Trey Man, for the first time ever, I somebody sort of you know, I'm so old when you say microwave, I think of Vinnie Johnson and the old Pistons from 30 years ago. Yeah. But when well, you think, said that, think of Jordan, I of Jordan Clarkson. That's exactly yeah. what I thought of. When you said that uh, 60 seconds ago, I thought, could Trey Mann be a Jordan Clarkson? The answer is we don't have any idea. Well, but wouldn't maybe, that be like a terrific maybe. outcome, too? Well, it'd, for it'd, be, it'd be a terrific outcome. Get, no him at the 18, get Jordan no Clarkson at the 18th pick. No doubt about it. So, um, I guess what I'm saying is I'd like to see more Trey Mann. Um, and, of course, I've been the leader of the of the Aaron Wiggins over Trey Mann bandwagon since the, since the summer league. But, I mean, I realize what's going on, and I'd like to see more Trey Mann just to see. He's shown me some flashes of scoring, and I'd like to see more of him um, yeah. in Thunder games. This this is no offense to Teo Maladon, but, like, Trey Mann is certainly more exciting to watch. Like you, you kind of know what Teo Maladone looks like out there at this point, especially after leading the team in minutes. So I'm with you. I'd like to see more of Mann. You mentioned summer league. Do you know what happened? Well, if 
you probably do know what happened, so I'm not even going to ask you because you're going to spoil it. Since Summer League, Josh Giddy had his first dunk tonight, so first official dunk in an NBA game, which surprised me a little bit. Would, would you have guessed that he had dunked before? I would have guessed he had dunked before tonight. Yeah. Tonight this was, was his, his first, first dunk one. of the season. Really? That one when the, the Jazz parted the lane and uh, yeah. he went right in and dunked it. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell didn't seem to really be interested in defense on that play, but... Um, yeah, he right. shook his head after the game when I asked him about it, and he was like, "I'm six eight. I should dunk more." Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> I love this, I love this guy more and more. That's exactly what I would. If somebody said that's his first dunk, I say, "Why is he not dunking more?" That's exactly what I would have thought. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. I, I'm big on I'm big on uh, uh, Josh Giddy in just about every regard. I saw he can go get a post game hug with uh, Joe Ingles. The Australian yeah, they're good, connection. They're good friends. Yeah. So, uh, who, by the way, did not have a good game, Ingles, tonight. No, gosh. He uh, but he had a better game than Hassan Whiteside. What was up with that? Oh, my. Did he just I, not want to play tonight? What's the deal? I have no idea. He picked up a really quick technical, and then there, there was nothing, like, demonstrative about it. I have no idea what he said to get tossed with that second tech. But it was so quick that he must have said one of those magic words where if you say it, you're for sure getting – attack and tossed but he said it um and it was he very calmly said it and just walked to the tunnel so yeah i I leaned over to to royce young and said maybe he's maybe wants to go see his family for thanksgiving get an early trip out of here i i don't know yeah that was odd and that forced the uh jazz to play uh rudy gobert more than they should 39 10 he doesn't need Rudy Gobert does not need to be coming to Oklahoma City the night before Thanksgiving and playing 39 minutes. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, but they sort of had to do it. Um, he played pretty good. He had 17 rebounds. He's plus 13 on the plus minus. So, uh, um, yeah, but I, if I was Rudy Gobert, I would not be happy with Hassan Whiteside uh, tonight. Yeah. Not at all. Hassan White, I don't know. You just uh... – sort of a mercurial player like it just seems like not great things happen uh with us on white side but he puts up huge numbers and and maybe the maybe maybe he'll be a better fit in utah than i than i think um but certainly certainly a tall imposing um guy but yeah tonight was tonight was weird the ejection was was quite strange but um Barry, just to wrap up with a couple of happy notes, Mark Dagnalt uh, was back on the sidelines tonight. He uh, jokes in his pregame press conference that he would not be taking any basketball-related questions. And and I will say he, he did take a few, but most of them were about his new baby, um, who is going to go by AJ, Alex, John. I, man, I hope I had that right. I just wrote a story about it. Now I'm, I'm blanking, but I, but I think that is correct. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yes, um, that is that is correct. And he uh, he said he tossed around Poku and Lugans and settled on AJ. Well, I guess you know um, if you've got the uh, if you got a Scrabble last name like Dagnalt, you want to you want to condense the first name. So um, could have gone yeah. with Dort Dagnalt. Yeah, Dort Dagnalt would be a cool name. <laughs> Uh, that would be a very cool name. Or uh, I wonder. I wonder what name we could come up with that would add more letters to to all the letters used in Dagnalt 
and, and try to set a world record for most letters used in a person's first and last name. Um, uh, I don't know, but at least his name being Alex, you get an X in there. So. Yeah, but like Ulysses popped into my mind. I don't think he's got a U L Y S or E. Or there's an E in Dagnalt, but there's not a U Y L or yeah. S. So Ulysses Dagnalt might have been the way to go. Um, this is yeah. off the top of my head. I probably could come up with some more, but um, but no, I'm happy for Mark. It's good. Uh, I got a little whimsical, uh, wistful is the right word. I got a little wistful. The cameras panned to to Dave Bliss on the uh, on the bench. You're already missing thought, Dave I'm Bliss. Not, I'm not, not going to get to listen to Dave Bliss tonight. I've been you know three straight games. I've got to listen to Dave Bliss. So. Um, yeah, easy come, easy go, I you guess. Might, might not be able to listen to Dave Bliss for, I don't know, the rest of our lives. Yeah, another perhaps. four years, <laughs> another, another six years. Maybe I'll run into him in a restaurant in downtown OKC or something. Or maybe you'll run into him in the uh, visitor's locker room one day. Yeah, there you um, go. Visitor's press conference. So, yeah, good news for uh, the Dagnalt family, uh, both Ashley, his wife, and the baby boy are, are doing well. He was born on Sunday, so... Happy, uh, happy for them, um, and he said that family is going to be in town not only to share a Thanksgiving meal, which he said, I thought this was interesting. They're they're uh, are going to have a thunder provided meal. They're not going to have to worry about uh, cooking Thanksgiving meal this year. They said the thunder has pre made Thanksgiving meals that they provide. Um, if if I guess players or coaches are so inclined. Well, now that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you know, you can got other people provide that too. You know, yeah. The, the basketball team doesn't, or the franchise doesn't actually have to do it. They wouldn't go without if they didn't cook their own. They could have some other. They could have some others. You know, our pal, our pal Justin Martinez is uh, sort of new to the area, new to the Oklahoman. He's covering OU. His family came in for Thanksgiving, and Justin went to one of the. One of the finer uh, eateries in Greater Oklahoma City. I won't name them because I don't think they're a sponsor. But that's where he's getting his Thanksgiving dinner. You'd think, you'd think, uh, you know, a NBA head coach could do the same. But um, so that's interesting, though. That the, it, it's interesting that the Thunder goes to that extreme for not just the the players they're always trying to impress and retain and that kind of thing, but you know, a coach. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. He said the Thunder chefs have done this the last three Thanksgivings. So I wonder, I wonder how that works. So they give it to you and then you warm it up. Is that the way it works? I, I guess so. Or do they deliver and it like at whatever time you specify and it's piping hot? I don't, I don't know how these things work. All, all good questions. Um, I feel like I'm out of time to, to ask those questions, but maybe, uh, maybe a post Thanksgiving question. Last one for you, Barry. Um, do you what, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Um, I would probably vote uh, broccoli rice and cheese casserole. That's okay. the answer. Now the problem with it is we had a friend's deal last Friday night, and that's the dish we took. And I've had a lot of leftovers, so I've eaten it two or three times this week. <laughs> And we're having a fresh batch tomorrow, so I'm not all that gung ho on it right now. But you know, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a superstar who just had a four for nineteen shooting game. 
Yeah. And he's still the best player going. He just didn't play well that night. That's um, – and I yeah, – although it might just be straight-out dressing, which some people call stuffing, but – I also call it dressing, so I'm, yeah. I'm glad yeah, we have this it, connection. Yeah. Dressing, and I never get it. Literally, I never get it except at Thanksgiving. So the problem with dressing is it's hard to mess up broccoli, cheese, and rice casserole. It's pretty standard, and where you go, and it, people can dress up, can mess up dressing pretty, pretty easily, and often do. Well, and everyone's got their own family yeah, recipes and stuff be, like that. It can get too dry. It can have too much celery and stuff in it. But when it's good and moist, and you got gravy to put on it, it's pretty. It's pretty hard to beat. It's pretty hard to beat too. Well, just a little uh, insider note for our, our listeners: Barry uh, is a big gravy guy with with pretty much anything. If there's gravy yeah, like at gravy. the uh, pregame meals here at the Thunder, the gravy is going on whatever they're serving. I like myself some gravy. There's not any <laughs> question about that. Um, have you ever had gravy on your catfish? Gravy on catfish? No, it's, it's, it's exquisite. It's exquisite. So, huh? Yeah, I, um, love, I love gravy on catfish. I love everything Thanksgiving related, Thanksgiving food related. I will be having some corn casserole, which like, is probably ooh, like my casserole. favorite side dish. I like corn casserole. Yeah, I do indeed. Green yeah. bean casserole, not so much. Ooh, not so see, much. I really like green bean casserole. Yeah, I'm not too big. I'm not. I'm not that big on green bean casserole. You've just offended my mother at the end of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> if, if I'm, if I ever, if I'm, if I'm ever uh, dining. Uh, at the Masato uh, Thanksgiving, I will eat a big pile of green bean casserole. I'll, for- I'll force it down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Barry, I hope you have a good Thanksgiving, and I hope the rest of you all listening have a good Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast and following our work. And we'll be back with you on Friday night to recap the Thunder's game against the Wizards. <laughs>